First of all, welcome here, Tani Kasal. Thank you, Almari. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great. Yeah. How are you? I'm very good, actually. I had a very successful event yesterday, so I'm full of confidence and, and uh, energy. And uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you today about uh, communication, branding, uh, storytelling in, in the sense of, let's say, business startups or entrepreneurs, business smaller, medium-sized businesses. And, uh, and I found you on LinkedIn, actually, I think, originally. And I kind of liked the way that you were communicating there. So I thought it could be interesting to share with the listener what it, what this is and why this is important and how this has changed. And also, then I found out that you had kind of transitioned from the corporate, corporate world into having your own business. Right. So um, what is it that you do if you just if we just start there? I mean, what, what would you, if I ask you, what do you do? What's the answer? Okay, so my favorite way how to describe what I do is I'm a business storyteller, but mm. the, uh, that doesn't ring a bell with a lot of people. So how I describe it is that I'm a copywriter. That mm. means that I, I write text that's supposed to uh, make people take some action uh, in, a, in a nutshell. And uh, on top of that, I also do brand consulting that uh, was not originally um, my plan but uh, it was it surfaced as a need that my clients have so that's what I do as well so when you say copywriting to get people to do something um, what would that something be like to buy something or to click more or yeah so anything you can imagine um those examples that you that you mentioned are, are really good ones. It can be also, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily only customer facing. It can be also, I don't know, text you want to send to your investors. So, you know, to, to make them invest or it can be also internally faced. So uh, some text for employer branding. So any text that uh, you want to make some impact with. Mm hmm. Okay, so impactful text in a way. Yeah. And uh, but why why do people need this? I mean, like because I think like um, uh, when you say, for example, storytelling and this kind of things, you know, like it's it's somehow not like it's not something that we use in an everyday life somehow to. But we all like stories. But we when when we think business or communication, we don't necessarily think stories. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we don't think stories, but we still use them every day in, in our communication. It's quite a natural thing to do. So, yes, I mean, storytelling is is a natural part of our lives since, you know, um, since since forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we, sh- how we share, uh, how we, you know, sometimes it could have been... Um, matter of life or death mm. to hear some stories so our brains are kind of wired to to listen to stories because there can be some lesson that we can learn and and can make a big difference for us mm. and to avoid for example imagine this you know five cave people sitting around the fire and and someone is telling a story about how they escaped the lion Mm-hmm. That's a storytelling, I guess. Then Absolutely. that serves, serves the purpose of warning others about the dangers and teaching them how to escape a lion. 
Exactly. Okay. Yes. And uh, and who is like you say like um, as far as I know you're working primarily with kind of smaller businesses like mm-hmm. uh, um, small and medium sized companies and entrepreneurs. Yes, that's right. Um, is storytelling and and kind of this kind of branding and communication is that more important for them than than for bigger companies? Do you think, or I mean, when you're getting people to know your brand, you're getting them to know you. Isn't it more important that they kind of then get some connection to you? I mean, I don't have a connection to Coca Cola because I just know them since I was born. Mm-hmm. But if I find someone new now that I want to buy something from or 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 get to know better, then it's important for me to build some connection, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think that it's important for any business, but um, of course, if you are in a position when you are already an established brand, uh, you work with it a little bit differently and you can get away with things that you can't get away with when you are just starting. You, You need to build your business from scratch and that starts with building awareness about your brand and what you, what you do and how you help people solve their problems mm. and that's why they will want to connect with you if you offer them some solution for uh, whatever you know they are de- dealing with and I, I read on your I think it was on your homepage something that you're you're kind of helping people communicate somehow uh, and and part of that is building that brand and that kind of authenticity of a brand and mm-hmm. why that is important. And and like, do, do you feel that um, that that is more important now? Because I have this feeling somehow that that we are all looking for something more special. It's trendy to be special now or to to buy something different, to have something different. Everybody wants an experience somehow. So has this kind of part of the branding and the communication and the storytelling has that become is it more important now do you feel than maybe in the past Mm -hmm. yeah well for sure uh, there are a lot of I would say there are a lot of factors that caused us to get to this place but um, long story short there is a huge amount of competition Mm. these days Mm. Uh, in the digital world, you know, like the technology uh, advanced so much that um, that even people who didn't have access to certain tools or resources, uh, they can use them now. Mm. And so, uh, you know, social media is a, is one huge um, a competition field for uh, people's attention. So uh, it matters more than ever to be able to grab the people's attention and grab grab the attention in a in appropriate way because mm. people uh, people are tired to be uh, treated as you know just a transaction people want to uh, people are uh, more than ever um, really making decision what to buy and who from because of this overload of advertisement and 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 uh, promotion you know, get, that gets into our mailboxes and on our social media and anywhere where you basically look 
in the digital world. And so uh, people are much more pickier uh, because they have uh, they have more options, and uh, they not uh, they no longer look for reasons to buy from you or to hire you. They look for reasons not to because mm -hmm. they want to you know narrow down their options. So um, yeah, you have very short time to um, convince them that you are the right person. You need to connect with them emotionally because people buy emotionally. They then justify logically, but but uh, the emotion is there. That's why the storytelling is so important as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, where I was going with this. Uh, it's yeah. also about sorry. Yeah, I was um, because I was thinking about the, we all want to feel as you you said actually special. We don't want to be like cattle just let to buy something, but yeah. we, everyone is looking for something unique. Yeah, yeah. The co the customers are getting much more severe when it comes to you know um, more sensitive to marketing effort. Mm. So uh, uh, the the. Trend. I was. I, I will call it a trend, but I think that it's kind of a shift in how the in marketing right now is uh, starts making connection with with your audience, of offering them value first, uh, offer them solve their problems for free uh, before you go ahead and and offer them to to buy something from you or to to hire you or. Uh, or whatever, uh, and that's why, um, and I'm sure that we will talk about it now or later, uh, the content marketing comes mm. in, in mm -hmm. play, because that's the way how to build relationship with with your people, with your tribe, or whatever, uh, in the long run. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, let, let's, let's talk about that, because, I mean, um, like... Um, when I was young, you know, like, I just wanted to have the same like everybody else, you know, and that was part of being in the group. But I think also back then, uh, fewer things were affordable and fewer things were available. There were fewer brands, there were fewer things that you could actually buy. And uh, and then the variety has increased a lot. And I saw actually in the morning, I was reading about some some sneakers that, you have to be a subscriber to get them. And I was thinking, wow, this is just such a different way of going to Tesco and buying the sneakers at the cheapest possible price. And it's expensive. You pay $30 a month and you get those sneakers once a year or something like that. Wow. And uh, so I, and, and, and that's maybe <laughs> exactly because of what you're saying is that you can actually do these kind of things now because you have access to those tribes. You you can create those tribes on social media and stuff like that. And to do that, yeah, you need content. Right, right. Um, and so content is like, what is content? You know, what 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 would you call a content that, that can be used for this purpose? Mm -hmm. Well, content, there are various formats or medias that you can create content with. There is long form, there is short form. Uh, 
there is repurposing of long-form content into short-form content. It can be text, uh, it can be social media captions, it can be videos, which is now probably the most popular uh, medium. It can be newsletters, it can be blog posts, um, um, it can be any sort of informational material, some brochures or pamphlets or flyers. So, yeah, um, that would be content. I, I remember there was a guy that uh, was on my podcast a while ago and, he, and I asked him, what do you do? And he said, I'm a content creator. And I was, you know, because I'm old school <laughs> and I, I didn't understand what this was. And now when I hear you say all these different things and yeah, of course, this is all content, but we just never, we never really had that idea that someone could live from creating content that is not just an advertisement in a newspaper or a radio advertisement or a TV ad, you know, somehow mm. I think we kind of, in some way, we look down on someone who says that they are a content creator. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's weird. Really? <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say that I do, like, but I, it's almost as it's not like a, a a recognized or an accepted career path. Uh -huh. What do you do? Yeah, I'm a content creator. Mm -hmm. Because I think we we associated content with companies or with um, some marketing campaigns or something like that. Mm -hmm. But now I can be, a, let's say that I was a joker or a funny guy. I could I could actually create a channel where I just tell my jokes and I can make money off that. Mm -hmm. Of of course, I could also do that in a club where I stand on stage and I talk and tell my jokes in front of people. Mm. But I I just think that we haven't really kind of or people like me at least to my age we haven't really kind of understood fully what's going on here because mm. we have moved a lot of the stuff that we do into a digital world somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so that that's something that is really interesting and and also what I feel is that. It has changed, you know, like I was telling you before we started recording, like when I started using Instagram, I could put out a post with a funny photo and I could write some caption on it and it would get me something. It would get me, you know, 20, 30 new followers or something mm. like that. That is gone, you know. In five years, this world has become so more, more much more competitive. Mm. And as you mentioned, videos, for example. Do you see this trend? You know, is it is it always harder and harder to somehow to stand out? Yeah. Sure, sure it is. Um, and there's the problem of, of marketing and uh, social media in general, even if you um, don't call it, you know, if you do it for your personal brand and don't necessarily call it marketing, but you you put content uh, out of there. Uh, it's, it's a living organism or it's not a living organism, okay, but the algorithms and marketing or social media algorithms and marketing in general, it's uh, it's evolving all the time. So it's it's hard to uh, you know crack the code. Crack the code, and mm. yeah, you can't get stuck in what worked like a year ago because it's changed now. So so yeah, it's important to, and it's kind of annoying for a lot of people that I talk to. But uh, it's necessary to keep up and and follow what's going on and and adjust. Mm. Yeah, and obviously th there is one one disclaimer that that, that I want to say. I um, 
we we now kind of talk about the best practices or trends, but I am really believer in that everybody should do the things their own way. You know, like I, I hate when uh, there is this stress of, oh, you need to do things this way. You need to make, for example, videos or you're screwed because... Um, Yeah, it may be, you, you need to make a conscious decision. I don't want to make videos, take the consequences. But like, I mean, um, nobody has to do anything. Mm. But but on that, like, uh, and I and I think, uh, you know, that's an interesting thing because we we see those distribution platforms, like, you know, whether it's, let's take, if we look at Instagram versus Facebook, for example, then... One would say one is picture-based, the other one is text-based in some way. But then you actually can find people that, that use those platforms in a completely different way, and it works. Mm-hmm. And that must be because they're authentic or there is something in the way that what they do makes you not think, why is he writing text on Instagram? Mm-hmm. You know, like Because that should be just pictures, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I guess that's what you mean. Like You, you can actually kind of get away from doing what you're supposed to do if you just do it then in the right way. Right, yeah. I mean, um, some people can get lucky with just like trying something of their own, but uh, um, I don't think that it happens very often. But I think that the people who succeed with something new and different are people, you know, it's We we see a lot of things from the outside and it seems so straightforward like that this person just came up with this and you know I I don't think that it's straightforward that somebody gets there. I think that they usually try various things and they uh work with uh their target audience and see what the target audience uh reacts to and then they you know adjust and and do it in their unique way but kind of uh, listen to what the audience want. Mm-hmm. And what you said now, you were saying that, you know, and, and that's, I think, one of the misconceptions that we have um, is when I discover someone on Instagram, someone who, or when Instagram makes me discover someone, let's let's say it like that, mm-hmm. then, or when the algorithm on Instagram makes me discover someone, that... That is then usually not a person with 50 followers. It's usually a person with 500,000 followers or something like that. That's a person that has already built an audience. Mm. And 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 that didn't happen by itself. And as you said, um, I was watching a video the other day of a Japanese girl that on YouTube. And she was talking about how she built her YouTube channel with 2 million subscribers. It's her seventh channel. Mm-hmm. The yeah. other six failed or, yeah. you know, were not as successful as this. And I think this is very often the misconception that we have is that people, because we we get this feeling that this is an instant recognition somehow, but nothing is instant in life. You know, like you don't get your diploma from school in, in three days. You, you get it over three years or seven years or whatever. Uh, you don't build a house in two days. It takes a year or two or whatever. You don't build a career in a week. But somehow when we look at these, let's say, these types of marketing channels, for example, we expect instant result. Yeah. 
It's really weird, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess that's how we are kind of wired. We, we are uh, impatient and, yeah. and really um, strict with ourselves quite often. Mm. You know? Yeah, because I mean, like, um, if you, for example, if you're posting, if, you, if you're a company and you're posting something about your product or your service and you give up after three posts, <laughs> you yeah. know that that's that's crazy but do do you come across people like this do you f- do you feel this this impatience somehow or are people accepting it that building a brand takes time mm. um yeah i i don't get resistance for um um a brand taking time to be built. I do get resistance uh, against putting the time and energy mm. uh, into it, you know. Um, and th- that's fair. Like, it's everybody's decision, you know. But if you want to build a brand, you have to uh, expect that it will take time. Uh, it will take uh, um, your energy and more at the beginning because, uh, as I said... And, it's it's one big experiment. You really need to um, measure everything, uh, try different formats, uh, and engage with your audience. Mm. Yeah, I, I what I like about you know because I've I've been experimenting with some content myself. I'm a content creator. Uh, that <laughs> that what I like about this is exactly this that you can actually measure the 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 results you see there is analytical tools you can actually measure what what is this message that i'm putting out what is this video that i'm putting out what is this post that i'm putting out you can actually see it's drawing some attention do people actually click on this do they like it do they comment on it yeah and i think in some way for me that should make me more patient because at least i have the tools to see what i'm doing right and what i'm doing wrong Versus the old school, you know, like let's say that before social media, if you wanted to promote yourself, you had to go to the newspaper or a magazine or you had to um, go to radio or something. And you had no fucking clue if it was actually delivering results or some, or not, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, if you got a lot of customers coming through the door, but then you don't know. There could have been a 10 times more customers if you have, would have done your ad differently. Mm-hmm. You never had this correlation between communication and result that we have now mm-hmm. so for me it actually being less patient now than 30 years ago makes no sense because now we actually have the tools to measure you know yeah 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 i i, I agree um i agree that people can measure and should measure uh but uh, i i think that some people measure the wrong things you know like mm-hmm. sometimes they're not really clear on their goals and um, they pay attention, like too much attention, for example, to how much reach their posts have or, um, I don't know, how much new followers they have. But their goal, for example, is get new leads. And, mm-hmm. and you know, they are not getting that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's important to measure, but also important to measure the right things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I mean, like you can have um, you can have a big audience, but it might be people that never want anything more from you. Yes, yeah. and it will never turn into a business or a, or anything more. Correct. Yeah. So, and that's where, where also the content strategy comes in. You um, 
the content has to be tailored uh, to your audience mm. and and make sure that at the end the audience uh, does what you want. Mm. But uh, so take an example. What what type of because from what I see, you're working with a lot of entrepreneurs and people that are kind of promoting themselves or the services that they provide. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, at least that's a lot of the stuff that I've seen from you. Mm-hmm. So what would be like a typical type of person that comes to you and, and asks for your help? And what do you then do with them, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, my typical client would be a um, solopreneur or somebody who's solo and doesn't uh, have the time or resources to do their own marketing uh, and and most likely it wouldn't be somebody who's necessarily just starting or uh, because I I know it from my own experience when I was starting I didn't have the budget you know I, I was it was like the minimum viable product <laughs> that I wanted to you know uh, get to the market with uh, actually service but um uh, yeah so somebody who's ready to take their business and their brand to the next level mm-hmm. and uh who is willing to invest into doing it in an efficient way you know mm-hmm. that it actually has an impact because obviously uh you can do your own content marketing and and I I share a lot of content on my LinkedIn and my blog on how you can do it yourself. But um, that definitely takes time, it takes skills, uh, it takes energy. So if you having a, are having a business, maybe you want to outsource these things. Mm-hmm. And, and focus on what you're good at. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, and uh, so my clients are mainly service-based um, brands. Um, but I also work with um, executives, uh, helping them with uh, their LinkedIn profile and content strategy. Mm-hmm. Where they're kind of profiling themselves or pr- pr- kind of branding themselves. Building their personal brand, yes. But let's go back a little bit to the, the solo entrepreneur or solo solopreneurs. Solopreneurs, yeah, solopreneurs. that's a word. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. That I've seen. I, I learned something <laughs> new today. So... So you're basically saying that that could be someone who has something, has started something. That could be someone like me. I'm doing mentoring service, but I don't really, I haven't really built a brand. I've built some clientele. I kind of know now what I have to offer and to what type of people. Um, so I would come to you and say, hi, Tenny. Um, nice to see you. Uh, can you help me? What, what what do you need from someone like me? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the kind of, not in any details, but what's what happens then? You know, like, mm-hmm. do you ask me something or, you know, what, what's the what's the process here, you know? Yes. Yeah, I, I have a very detailed brief that mm-hmm. I use with my clients to, to understand their brand, their goals, uh, the way how they work with their, um, with their tribe. And uh, then, you know, based on that, we tailor kind of the solution that could help them with whatever their goals are. But the, it comes um, 
generally, there are three main points that people so terribly <laughs> underestimate um, that uh, it's absolutely necessary for every cooperation. And first is to be clear on um, on your brand identity, like mm. wh- what you stand for, what what's your mission, uh, what's what's your personality, what's your style, and from that to uh, create so, sort of brand messaging that would be consistent across mm-hmm. your whole, you know, uh, content strategy. And then uh, it's understanding your market positioning. And uh, your target audience, mm-hmm. and and uh, there is such an such a weird resistance towards you know really digging into the target audience and market positioning. Why do you think that is? Um, People are afraid to miss out on something. Um, I think that's uh, okay. I will call it an ugly way, but uh, it's a little bit of an ignorance of how important it is for for the business. Uh, I mean, I, there are many misconceptions about, um, for example, the target audience. I think, I think that the target audience is the fir- is the first element. I think that that um, a lot of businesses do it other way around. They come up with an idea, or they have a skill, and they decide, okay, I will do my business here. But they don't, they uh, they don't think about who will they offer this service mm-hmm. or product to? Mm-hmm. I think it should be tailored the other way around. You have like some, some you know... Need, need. some solutions to be provided. And yes. And, and that becomes your product. And for, and for that, you have to have like absolutely clear understanding of who the target audience is, exactly what they need, what they fear, what, they, what their dreams are, what their objections are. Uh, towards buying from you might be, and uh, for 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 that you you can just you can just assume those things. I mean, you mm. can assume a lot of things, but uh, then you need to do research. You need to talk to those people, uh, collect the data, and and base your business decisions, and and consequently also the marketing strategy on on this data and yeah. if, if 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 you don't have them it's it's like a one big guessing game yeah, yeah and i think i mean and i've fallen into this trap a lot of times myself to assume based on my own personal preferences and then then luckily sometimes i've thought about okay so but am i actually the target group here and the answer is then no and i said okay then well then i, I might be making the wrong assumptions because mm. my my emotional connection to this service or product or whatever it is that I'm trying to build is is different, you mm. know. So, and I and I, but I think this is very tempting because you know we, and 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 I I asked you about the target audience if there's a, if people are are afraid to miss out. I, and maybe that's an Icelandic thing because it's a very small market, you know. Like we're mm-hmm. just three hundred or we're four hundred thousand people now with all the new Icelanders, but uh, but we used to be like three hundred and twenty, thirty thousand people, and um, there you almost always have to be everything for everyone. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, it's harder to specialize, and it was really interesting for me when I moved, for example, from Iceland to Denmark, and I. 
I was working a lot with lawyers, and I'm a lawyer myself, but in Iceland, almost any lawyer can answer any question in some way. Like, you can go and say, you're at the wedding party and there's a lawyer, then you say, yeah, I want to divorce my wife, what should I do? And he will answer you, even if he works mainly with real estate, but he will know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he will not be afraid of answering you. And when I came to Denmark, and you know, like I was asking our lawyer about something, oh, no, you need to talk to my friend here, he's a specialist in, in property law or something. You know, there was much more specialization. And and I, f- I feel that sometimes, or I, I can imagine that people are afraid that if they narrow down their target audience mm. and they say, okay, I'm in for overweight men, 25 to 35. Mm-hmm. It's a huge market, <laughs> but uh, they're afraid that they're missing out on all the others, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I to- totally agree. That's that's one of the problems. Um, I do, The better... Like, o- of course, if you have some niche... It's easier to sell because mm. because you can f- you can focus on you can much better um, craft your message so that it resonates with a special group of people. Because if it's too broad, it's hard to it's hard to really resonate. But but there are brands that that can do it. You know, Apple. I I don't know. It's like it's for mm. they are for everybody. So. Um, not for not for everybody. Okay, that's that's not for poor people. Not for poor, not mm-hmm. for poor people, and for example, not for me. I'm not I'm not uh, an Apple person. I I don't have any Apple products, and um, so yeah, it's not for everybody. Nothing is for everybody. Mm. Uh, yeah, but they have a very broad appeal. I mean, I, yeah. I yeah, and I mean, and you have that with with a lot of products, you know, and and but I, I yeah, I just. I kind of have this feeling sometimes because I I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and I and I actually I kind of do the same as you're saying I start by saying so w- w- what is it that you can do and then for whom is it mm. and why should they buy it from you what what's what problem are you solving for mm. them what pain are you easing for them and and yep. uh, and that that's that's the most important thing because then you're building your service or product for that audience and you're building then your marketing you're figuring out where are these people and and uh, and I think yeah th- this is one of those things that that I have a feeling that a lot of people with ideas that they, they, they don't want to get into this process um, So so yeah, sorry, back on track. I come to you, we do these things. We we look at who is my target audience, what is it that I actually want to do, where are they, how big is that group? And then you write me a super cool Instagram post and I'm rich. <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, I wish it worked like that. Mm. Um yeah, then uh I, I mean uh we need to like we basically, I look with my clients at at the data that we get from this briefing, like strategically. Like, of course, um, if you, I don't know, if you're a copywriter like me, probably Instagram is not your channel. 
So, mm. uh, so it comes also down not only to what content you need, but <laughs> I always circle back to the target audience. So where is where where does your target audience hang out? Mm. You know, like uh, are they uh, on Instagram? Well, I'm a copywriter, so I I sell to businesses or 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 brands. So my my um, audience hangs out on LinkedIn. Mm. So uh, okay, I have a I I have I have an Instagram account, but that's absolutely not my channel. You know, mm. I I don't I don't I use it uh, kind of because it's easy to post on Facebook and then it goes to Instagram too. But uh, you need to understand what's your primary channels and for that we need to understand the target audience first mm. um and um and then uh if you are interested in content marketing for example um we would um we would define some sort of themes some sort of strategy uh of topics that Mm, you deal with on a daily basis uh, and generally these topics or these ideas that go in into these themes would be target audience generated so what are people interested in learning you know what what are your customers or clients asking you about mm. and then and then answer their questions in your content so uh, you know that um you are hitting the spot where there is interest uh, you know like just uh, as opposed to writing random thing about mm. something that i am interested in but uh, but i'm not sure if if it really helps anybody you know but that's uh, <clears throat> i think it's an interesting thing and it just makes me realize that i used my linkedin in the wrong way so thanks for coming here and telling me <laughs> this but you know um I, I because you're saying okay so answer the questions that your target audience or your potential customers might have and i i have a feeling that uh, um often people are afraid that they're giving away some know-how for free mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like yeah. that oh i, I don't want to tell them this i want them to come to me for consultancy or i want them to sign up for my course or something and that's where they will get those answers mm-hmm. and and I had this, yeah, we had this workshop yesterday here about in Prague about how and, and why to start your business in Czech Republic. There was like 50 people that showed up, much more than we expected, actually. And nice. I wouldn't, I don't know if it's even to call it a workshop because it's just me talking. But uh, it's an interesting thing because there I gave away a lot of valuable know-how. Mm-hmm. Um, know-how that is worth millions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Of course, it was just over two hours and not everybody can just take it on board and, and run with it and become the next Elon Musk or something like that. Uh, but it never really, for me, like I didn't feel that that I was giving away anything. And actually, on the contrary, I was actually making people intrigued mm-hmm. in, oh, this guy knows his shit. I want to go to him to know more. Absolutely. And then they will come to me and already have three or four people just last night that signed up for the first session. So mm. um, they will dig deeper and they will pay me more. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. 
So this was my funnel. This is how I, I got them. But I, I are, are people afraid of this, like entrepreneurs? Are, are they, because you're saying, yeah, give them useful information and answers versus just writing about whatever I like. Are people are scared of losing something? or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, yeah, I definitely... Um, heard that before mm. but i i think there is definitely a way how to how to balance it out you know like don't give don't work for free but uh um the content marketing or whatever whatever you write about it um should demonstrate your expertise and uh, also of course help people but um it it builds your credibility and uh authority on on the topic and uh most likely as you as you mentioned when you tell people some some tips of you know i can i can t- i can <laughs> if if we would like take it to extreme i'm like now giving away a, a, a like big secret of work with your target audience <laughs> but but then actually like going there and and doing it that takes another you know set of knowledge and skills and that's uh where um where you hope that if there is somebody who's interested into mm, developing this idea they might come to you mm. but there will be people uh, you know who will never buy anything from you and they will you know for the rest of their lives consume your your content for free and that's perfectly fine too oh, yeah. and and you know it's necessary to make this inner peace that yes you you are giving some wisdom for free but you also know the reasons why you are doing it mm. and the you know because it's obviously an effective way how to also get business for yourself mm. Mm. you mentioned also um that you're helping management or top management managers with their kind of personal like LinkedIn and kind of personal branding in some way. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I I've thought a lot about. Like because in the in the past, you know, like when we didn't have all these platforms, you know, like then we had books mm-hmm. and in very rare cases movies. So that was how the le- a legacy was documented or or ex- exposed or or I don't know how to say it. So and I, I often often thought about this while I was running businesses that like um, I often felt that people wanted to be Richard Branson somehow because they write books about him and and I was always like no that's uh, you know like that's zero point zero one percent of bi- people in business they get a book you know like mm-hmm. and uh, and that's not necessarily a good motive because it's so difficult to get there and 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 there are so many other things that you can actually get out of running a business than just having that fucking book mm-hmm. but i feel now and and like when i look at for example linkedin i feel that there is a lot of people that are kind of using their career to enhance their brand somehow to become why do people do that? Is that to be able to get a different job in the future? Is it to be able to leave that career and still do something? You know, what? what's what's mm-hmm. the motives here? Okay. Uh, so it's a combination of those that you mentioned. Um, um, similarly, as uh, building a 
business in digital world is now more competitive. The same same is to stand out in in you know the corporate world. Mm. Uh, especially if you are at the top mm. and you and your ambitions are to climb higher, mm. um, it uh, it doesn't cut it anymore just to be at what you do, but um, it's necessary to okay, necessary as as I mentioned, you don't have it to helps. do anything. It helps, but it helps mm. to to build uh, to to build your brand, and then the reasons is. Um, so uh, one v- one other note uh, or or what changed is that um you know um 20 years ago people would work for one company their whole life mm. now it's like changing big time so you your personal brand is what you have um and um you need to build it um and so so the reason is first to be um, um you know to to be employable uh to um get attention for from headhunters to get attention from your internal stakeholders um uh, because you know those people decide whether you will climb up on the ladder uh it can be to um build also authority with for your team if you're a leader uh, you know to mm-hmm. to kind of lead by example and show what, what uh, your expertise on on linkedin and it can be also to um uh, to to kind of get ahead of your competition mm-hmm. but i i like yeah i i felt like in the past like in my career then i was always good with the media i was very much in the media when i lived in iceland and in denmark and and because of the businesses that i was in and mm. and and the the irony of it was that and I, that's why i can kind of resonate with this building your personal brand so so a lot of the companies that i ran had trouble a lot of trouble and i mean that's the reason why i was brought into those companies because i was not afraid of trouble Mm-hmm. and i liked it it was a challenging environment and there was like you know you could change things and you could try things and and so on but it also usually asked for a lot of attention mm-hmm. and what i felt often was um uh, i felt that people were looking at the wrong things you know they were looking at how i performed at a tv interview and they were like oh you were amazing you're amazing you're amazing and at the same time my company lost 100 thousand dollars you know whatever you know what i mean like it, it there was almost like two different realities one mm. was me as the public speaker p- being c- fucking good at doing that you know mm-hmm. but on the other hand it was also me the ceo who lost a hundred thousand dollars his because his business wasn't doing very well you know mm. and and i often felt like well I I felt a little bit fake, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean I was doing my best in the business, and and often I succeeded in turning it around. Sometimes I didn't, you know. But um, and I think about it now when I look into kind of corporate communication and 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 
and especially the individuals. I mean, companies are, for me, a lot. Uh, there's a lot of fake stuff going on. They're mm. standing with Ukraine, but then they're selling weapons to Russia or whatever, you know, like, and, mm. and uh, um, there's all this virtue signaling stuff that people are kind of sticking on their business somehow, but mm. they actually don't necessarily mean it. Mm. And I feel the sa- same with the, with the, with personal branding in some way that um, you're going into a, when you put yourself out there, you're kind of stepping into a very narrow path where you have to say all the right things about the right topics at the right time. You have to have the right opinions and you can't make mistakes because you kind of put yourself up there so you can't drink and drive, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because you have portrayed that image that you're perfect and you do everything right. You you put the right flags in your bio, you are she, her on LinkedIn or whatever the fuck it has to be. <laughs> and all this stuff that is nothing in the end. It's, it's not, it says nothing about your skills. It says nothing about your ability to work with people. It's all packaging. Mm-hmm. And... Um, now, at the same time, I would like to brand myself, mm-hmm. but I want to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And do you see, the, do, do you understand what I mean? Like, how can people be authentic, but but still popular? <laughs> uh-huh. Because if everyone would be, if we would all say what's on our mind, people would fucking freak out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, that's that, that's a loaded question. That <laughs> I I um, I don't know where to even start. So uh, <laughs> this this f- fake image, I I really dislike that. And um, well, there will be always people who will do that, mm. who will try to pretend to be somebody else on social media, and and be completely opposite in in real life real life um but i i think that's more of a problem of integrity of that individual rather that that's a problem of personal branding mm. i think that obviously we we play different roles in our life you know you you will talk to me differently than you will to your dog <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yes. Uh, and or or to your mom or mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, like and you adjust to different audience. Yeah. That doesn't doesn't mean that you are not authentic in all those moments. You you um that's an interesting thing actually. I I agree with you. This yeah. is interesting, yeah. Yeah, you, you just um talk in a way that that you know um, makes it relatable makes it relatable mm. to, yeah to me so uh, so i think that a personal branding is not about and shouldn't be about pretending to be somebody else but uh speak about things that are relevant for your target audience and um yeah so and the you, target audience could be your grandma it could be exactly and then you, and then you talk about cookies Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to say everything that is on your mind, you know, all the time. Uh, yeah, you don't come home. Uh, Grandma, I'm super horny now. <laughs> like, 
No, you you come to her and say, listen, let's have some cookies. Yes, yes, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you tone you tone you tune in to the environment that you're in, basically. That's what you're saying. Yeah, 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 sure. Um um yeah, and and I, I think that you uh, you shouldn't lose your your um yourself. Self, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, um yeah, I I wanted to ask you something about here because you know like you you kind of told me that you refer to yourself often as a copywriter, but it it is more than just writing the text. It's understanding for whom is it, what am I going to tell them, all that. But that's I have a a friend who is a translator and a copywriter and she told me this summer I met her and she told me that She's suffering because of this new AI, chat GPT, and all these tools that are now available mm-hmm. to people that have been working with text. Mm-hmm. Do you do you see those tools as a threat, or are they? Can they be to your? And now I'm not talking about if AI takes over the world or something. That's a whole different discussion. But do you see them in in your line of work as an advance or as a threat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I thought that we we were kind of beyond the uh, threat part. Uh, I think that it was kind of a talk of beginning of the year when you know uh, there was this panic that we will be all replaced by AI. But uh, I, I definitely find AI as a, as a useful tool. Mm. But it, I, I think that already by now people realize that it has to be operated by a human and that it has to be. Uh, in the best case scenario, operated by somebody who knows what they want to get out of it. You know, who like thinks critically about what the outcomes are and can can work with it. So, and I, I think that it's a really great topic to think about AI and the way how it will shape marketing because. I, I don't know if you know. Uh, do do you use ChatGPT? Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, and do you use it for generating like texts for for social media? No, uh, not a lot. I I usually if I use it, for example, then if I yeah, well, I uh, I do some social media posts about music where I I feed information into ChatGPT and say, please extract fifteen most valuable points from here mm-hmm. that are about this and this and this theme. So in that way, it's just summarizing. I use it, and then I, but I, then I write my own sure. versions of it, mm-hmm. uh, because I I never felt that anything that came out of that screen is me. Yeah, it's never authentic. Yes. So I can't use it as it comes from the cow. So mm. whatever comes from there, I I say, oh, that's cool. I forgot that point, and then mm-hmm. but then I write my own. Yes, yeah, that, that, that's a really great way how to use it. I like the research; it helps really with the yeah. um, ideation and, and research part. Uh, so, um, you, since you have experience with seeing what kind of results it's giving, maybe you noticed that, like more and more, the posts, like for for example on LinkedIn, kind of sound similar, yeah. like use the same expressions and. And uh, I, 
I can like totally spot it when I when I see samples. I'm like, oh, this is ChatGPT, like without any editing probably. Mm. Uh, and um, I think that in very short time, people will get uh, tired of it. Mm. So uh, when it comes to AI, uh, just to answer your question, I don't think it's gonna replace anybody. Uh, it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna replace copywriters. I think it's a great tool to use, but you know, you need to know how to use it, and. Uh, um, I think that people uh, will, um, after the initial panic and experimenting with the tool, and it's okay that it people that people are experimenting with it, but I think um, and and using you know without any sort of editing uh, the the post because it will just accelerate the the moment when when people will realize that they need a copywriters because they can't they mm. can't just copy paste this um and uh more than ever uh i think uh, will be important the storytelling part because that's the the authentic part mm. uh that that you bring into your content and uh, yeah it will it i i think that the the more than ever people vo- don't want to wonder like was this generated by ChatGPT? They want to, they want to hear some story. They want to uh, hear real case studies, um, something that you know is human, mm-hmm. not not computer generated. That brings me a little bit to the the storytelling mm-hmm. part, like uh, because that's something that I personally have always had a hard time understand logically i mean i do understand that we like stories we we have these archetypes of challenges fear heroes i mean there you know like that's how our whole world is built but how like how are let's say if i come to you as this solopreneur and i want to like what would be my storytelling, for example, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just some simple simple way. Because I think it's a word that I see a lot, but I, I... You know, I even had a guy here who said, I'm a storytelling expert, that's a long... And I had no fucking clue what it was, so I just spoke about something else, you know? Because yeah. I didn't know what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So what would that be? What would be my storytelling if I came to you as a solo entrepreneur? I want to promote myself and mm-hmm. my product. Yeah. Okay, so... so just storytelling sounds a little bit epic but yeah. I, I mean i mean it's 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 much more simpler than than um what than people, it sounds yeah than people sounds. like me think it is yeah. yes so so um st- uh, wow so storytelling can be basically weaved in all your content and presentation and it's just a way to display or showcase your your personality, your values, and and your mission. Obviously, it has to be story that is relatable to your target audience. So that's where the skill comes to, to you know to pick the right because you know you are full of stories. You your whole life is one big story. So it's uh necessary to pick the the right one mm. to to formulate it in a way that it makes sense because it will it will never be full story 
it will always be just like a fraction of of of, of some story. So um, so depends, you know. Like if if uh, you want to um, if you want to bring people to your workshop or session mm. where mm. you talk about business. You will speak about your background a little bit differently than when you want to sell your music album and okay. want to display your your skills or your experience in in this area. Uh, so there comes the strategic storytelling. What's the story that I want to tell? What I want to say by it? What kind of values I want to display and uh, the, the storytelling is very important especially for the for businesses and brands that are just starting because uh, you know there are various awareness levels of your audience Apple is like mm, product aware they absolutely know what the brand is about they know what the products are ab uh, are about so how you sell them is not by explaining what the brand is and what the products can do, but uh, I don't know, by some special offers or something like that. If if you're just starting, you, and especially if you're starting with some little bit obscure business, I would even call copywriting a little bit obscure. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people uh, don't really know what it means, uh, what, what it can do for them. So there is a lot of educating through storytelling mm -hmm. to showing who you are who i am to showing case studies how i've how, how now we are doing it kind of mm -hmm. also this is kind of storytelling i tell you like how i work with my clients and uh, and you know the other party can connect with it emotionally mm -hmm. can picture themselves in that role of you know being the client and, and imagine how I could help them, mm. and uh, that's how it works. It's re it's actually relatively simple, but it's not easy. Actually, when you say it about Apple that they don't need storytelling, it's actually probably better for them not to tell the story because it's a lot of poor Chinese people that make the product, <laughs> and it costs two dollars, and then we buy it for three hundred dollars. Oh no, no, I. <laughs> they don't. They don't want to tell that story, you know. That that's the. There's the story that they definitely strategically don't want to yeah. tell, but but I just want to say that uh, every every brand needs storytelling. Apple oh. also uses storytelling; it's just a different kind, you know. Like mm. it's um, um, it's less educational. Yeah, let's put it this way. Yeah, yeah, and they don't they don't need to say the people behind the brand or something. I mean, like in your case, you need to tell who you are personally, yeah. what's your experience that make you relevant. Mm what kind of person you are and stuff like that so so that you become relatable and you do that through telling me your story mm -hmm. sure okay now i got it finally <laughs> after all these years <laughs> um yeah but uh, you mentioned before this uh, i want to kind of because you haven't been doing this forever. I mean, you kind of transitioned. So mm -hmm. so you were doing headhunting. Yes. And uh, so I guess for you to work with top-level management in branding comes easy. Right. You did headhunting for a few years, like top-level headhunting, right? Yes, executive search, it's called. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
But how, how how is that? Like, you know, like, is that fun or... or yeah, sure. I, I mean, uh, yeah, um, I like my job, yeah. definitely. Uh, it's... Um, it's exciting, especially in the Czech Republic. You can, you know, I uh, can probably relate. Like Iceland as well as Czech Republic are small markets, and so um, working here means um, being a generalist. I, especially in executive search, you don't really, you don't really um, focus on one special industry or function. Uh, so. For me, the exciting part about this job is that you really see successful businesses across industries mm. and um, talk to successful people that uh, have even bigger ambitions to strengthen their leadership teams and, and you are there helping them find the right person for the job so uh, obviously um, there is uh, you know big learning um, aspect of it which uh, which is super exciting let's put it this way but in 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 this i mean you need to be a good uh like recognize character and stuff like that i guess i mean like if you're head hunting you need to you can't just bring some garbage to people and say, here you go, here are five candidates for, I mean, you know what I mean? Like mm. you, and in your case, you, so you were filling positions or, or like somebody says, I need a new CEO for my business here, go and find that person. Mm -hmm. Like, so I guess you need to be pretty good at figuring out who is right and who is wrong for that role, right? Yes. So as any, I guess, consulting business or project-based uh, business, you start from the beginning, from learning about your client, about uh, as much about their business and, and their needs. And um, then the job is really research-heavy. Mm. So, so you start with a research strategy, uh obviously one of the um tool that comes to mind probably to everybody and that definitely plays the role of of um the, uh, in the search strategy is linkedin mm. but it's not the only one um you i don't know you identify what are the competitors of the company or what are businesses who do things similarly where can be the relevant people and um, you start sourcing mm. these people, uh, approaching them, and and you know, like not everybody is in the position where they want to change their career. You know, it, they are not job seekers. Mm. You you go to them and and uh, um, and ask them if they would be open to talk to you. And uh, then obviously. Um, uh, you know what your, you you are uh, well briefed what your client is looking for. So um, then comes the interviewing skills. You need to probe f uh, for um, for evidence 
of those skills. But generally, yeah, you also assess the personality. But I, I gotta say that uh, generally people at this level of management got there for a reason, and um, and they are generally like really good in communication. They they are very um, they are used to be approached by headhunters, so um, it's relatively easy. You know they they know that it's beneficial for them to be in contact with headhunters, so they treat you respectfully. So so uh, when it comes down uh, to then make the full picture is referencing. Mm. So then you take reference mm-hmm. on that on that person again probe for. For the evidence of of various things, I don't know if I'm answering your 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 question. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, like you answered a lot of other questions I might have had, uh-huh. but but I, no, I'm just thinking because you know, like um, asking someone to leave their job behind because headhunting is not finding someone who's unemployed. Headhunting is usually finding someone who's working somewhere already. So mm-hmm. you're asking them to leave their job to go into a new company. Mm-hmm. So. And if they leave something behind that they know and they're com- comfortable in, maybe, um, and then they need to go into something new that they don't know, so you need to sell that to them. Yeah. And then the new company, they need to be a good fit, you know, because otherwise they will just be there for six months or something, then they leave or whatever. So I'm just like, uh, you know, like I guess it takes a lot of kind of. Uh, understanding, as you say, you understand the role, but you need to understand, I guess, the culture also and the personality and how that person fits into that business mm. to be successfully placing somewhere in a new job. You know, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually w- one of the companies that I I worked for, um, it's like um, um, in top five mm. of uh, worldwide of. Uh, um, companies in this industry and uh, they had their own research on the reasons why a placed candidate uh, would uh, like wouldn't succeed in a new role and it's not because of skills it's um, not because of location or the job or anything but it's because of the culture the culture mm. is extremely important so so generally um there exists some some sort of um culture assessments personality assessments mm. leadership uh assessment system you know um and uh, a lot of companies uh use those i th- i think that that they should because it's good to you know have the data to base your decision on yeah, yeah. but also on the chemistry so uh, of course me as a headhunter i don't i don't have the final call i i do just the pre-screening i i basically mm. do the homework for the client and then the client gets presented with five candidates uh in person probably with m- more during the long list period you know uh they see obviously more candidates on the paper, but then eventually they meet with five top and, mm. and they have maybe a couple of rounds with them. They have their own assessment. So, yeah, um, definitely culture is extremely important. Uh, 
I can imagine that. And because, I mean, it's also it's expensive for a company to hire the wrong person. It's not just the money and the process and the salaries. I mean, it yeah. can be that that person can come in and fuck everything up in a, in a very short time and ruin the culture and whatever. Yeah. But why did you decide to transition from having a safe job in in an industry that you knew how to do and you know you mm-hmm. you were comfortable let's say and then you go and you're you're an entrepreneur doing building your own business and your own brand with no customers and a big risk mm-hmm. why uh so i was comfortable right but um i knew that Executive search was never my final destination. I, 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 like, there's definitely something where I didn't have ambition to grow any further. So um, it was only a matter of time when, you know, um, I will make the transition. And I, I, I was not. Uh, I didn't. I guess it was not like something that I planned for a very long time that I will I will do this sort of transition. It's it's more of a co- coincidence. And now I'm coming, kind of uh, coming back to what we what we talked about the social media. How some things from the outside look so straightforward. Like mm. somebody somebody had you know this sense of direction from the very beginning. I I I didn't and. Um, I grabbed an opportunity. I I was I was uh, writing. Um, well, at that time when I m- made a decision, I think that for four years I was writing a blog, Prague actually, it's, uh, like blog about people and life in Prague, and and um, you know people start uh, turning to me and ask, asking me if I would write something for them, if I would help them with their musician bio or write an article about what they do or or help them with their promotion mm. and and I was like hey there, there might be something here mm. and so I developed the idea further you know and uh, and I started with a target audience you know there was a need I saw a need and uh, so I I think that I wrote in my uh, Facebook network if somebody uh, would like to pay thousand crowns, you know, it's just like some symbolic symbolic money for me writing them some promotional text, mm. some short promotional text. And to my surprise, it was not the <laughs> originally original target audience I had in mind. Uh, there, there were like no musicians, no artists, they never no have painters. A, they never have a thousand crowns. <laughs> That's forty. But, that's forty euros. But but a lot of small business owner and solopreneurs reached out, and I was like, okay, um, you know, I think that that I can do this. Uh, there is a potential. I uh, will see where it goes, and uh, then you know, again, there was like a mm, bit of a process of me figuring out what I actually need in order to to quit my job and see where this would lead me. Um, I had a coaching session with a friend to kind of help me uh, figure out what I needed. And and, um, 
you know, it came down just to to have some sort of financial cushion. Mm. And within half a year uh, from from that moment, I quit my job and uh, yeah, I. Um, so you started this kind of on the side, a little I bit, and on then the side, yeah. uh, and then mm-hmm. you gradually grew into it. That's a that's a good way to do it with with something like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's a lot of work. Because I mean, you're kind of doing two jobs, or you're building. A, but the interesting thing is that you like, uh, you know, you okay, you like the headhunting, but you like this more. Yeah, definitely. This is more fun. Yeah. So uh, it doesn't feel like a, a job in uh, some way. You uh, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. It's a. Uh, it's like a dream come true, you know. Um, and um, I, I have not like I, I'm not opposed to having nine to five i think there is nothing nothing wrong with being an employee and you know if you know your reasons if you make if 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 you if you know why why you are why this works for you uh i think there is nothing wrong with it if you think that it's not working for you then try Mm. to make try to make the change for me it could have gone either way uh, I don't think that I don't think that um, doing own thing, being freelance or whatever, is for everybody. So um, yeah. Uh, well, but on on that, sorry. Uh, so you you say you don't think it's for everybody. What like transitioning from having a stable nine to five job to doing your own, building your own business. Uh, you're a one-man show. You need to do sales. You need to do yeah. accounting. You need to do everything. You do marketing. What has been the biggest kind of surprise in a negative way, or like, what did you before you kind of went on this path? Mm-hmm. Has happened that you could never have seen, foreseen, or imagined upfront. Okay, know? so there there is a like one thing that uh, shocked me, and uh, you know because. Generally, you would think that one of the reasons you want to go freelance is to to do things your way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I was so shocked with like I was overwhelmed with the amount of like with this like waking up and like lack of direction or it was not lack of direction but you know there was nobody to answer to nobody to to check on what i do or whatever so so there is this uh, overwhelming feeling or was for me of hey i have absolutely like i, I have 100 percent freedom of organizing my time however i want so how do I do it, you know? Mm. And uh, I, uh, I immediately, and, and also you are alo- alone. Like you are completely, like suddenly there is no one. Uh, so the first thing I did mm. was to, I was to um, call my friend who is also freelancing. And I told her <laughs> if she wouldn't mind to, um, have a call with me every morning at nine o'clock, uh-huh. like for half an hour, and and that was a game changer because it like anchored my day. We call each other. I told her what I was up to that day, what my goals were. She told me hers, even though they were completely unrelated, and 
Then I went about my day and I knew that next morning uh, she will hold me accountable. accountable. That's yeah. great. So, so, so yeah. So um, I I think that uh, it's it's overwhelming how much freedom you have oh. of really organizing everything uh, any way you want, and also the the. Um, the loneliness uh, mm. but i i never felt really really lonely because this was really the first thing that i did was to connect with my friend and and we still call each other uh not every day but like twice a week uh to that's brilliant actually yes because i think like i i i spent 25 years in jobs you know like and and jobs stuff comes to you you know people come to you and ask can i do this should we do that you know then you have end of the year there's a budget there is the accounting statement you like there are deadlines fixed things there are seasonalities in business so mm. so you're kind of driven by your day-to-day work is kind of controlled by those things and as you said you have maybe a boss that you need to report to there's a board meeting or whatever or there's a deadline on this headhunting project or whatever and then when I went away from that and doing what I'm doing now, doing mentoring and coaching and, and all the other stuff that I'm doing, yeah, I I felt the same as you. I felt like, so nothing is coming to me. Everything mm. that I want to happen, I have to make it happen. Yeah. And that's uh, that's not easy, you know, like, because if you're used to it, that you're just... You're in the machine and you're spinning in there somewhere and you get something to do and then you finish it and then something else happens, you know? Yeah. And uh, But I, I I really like this what you with your friend to to call your friend because I think uh, what I do um, is that I, I try to... I, I try to write... I, I use my Google Calendar so I put a lot of my stuff in there, you know, through reminders. I just found out that actually you can even put tasks but... You know, Google is a new product, so I'm still learning it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I write down, I, I have pieces of paper with memos and stuff that I want to, this is what I want to do today, or this is what mm. I'm going to focus on today. And then I try also now, I try to separate the days of the week. So I say Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, I'm trying to do, I'm focusing on this mm-hmm. activity. Mondays I can do this, and on Fridays I'm doing that. You know, like, so... But it was not something that was easy, you know. But, mm-hmm. I, but I, because I feel with what you're doing with your friend, you're manifesting something. You're you're basically by saying what you're working on uh, means that if you call her the morning after and you say, "I really didn't do it," okay, you can do that once or twice because you just felt bad or something bad happened or something. But if that's the pattern, if ninety percent of the time you didn't do what you were going to say to do. You're gonna look silly, you know, and we we never want to look silly. That's mm-hmm. why when I when I when I'm running marathons, I tell everyone I'm gonna run a marathon mm-hmm. because then I know I can't bail out. <laughs> and <laughs> we're manifesting, yeah. you know. Mm. Uh, but what are the benefits of kind of, you know, what what what, uh, what has been the benefit of doing? I mean, I guess mm-hmm. um, you were doing that blog. Or no, no, non-profit. You know, like you were just doing it out of passion. Yeah, I, I still am. I still. Uh, yeah, am. and you turned passion into a business. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's because I feel when I'm on some of the stuff that I'm doing, it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. It feels like fun. 
Yes. So I can sit at home until midnight and do something about mm-hmm. it. And I don't feel like I'm working actually, but it's work. Mm-hmm. You have the same feeling. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have to say that I love my job. Yeah. Mm. It's it's not a- anymore that I I like it and I'm comfortable, but I. Uh, I love what I do. I feel like much bigger sense of purpose, and uh, it has uh, also huge benefits to my own lifestyle. Mm. Um, so In what way? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean, like mm, I think <laughs> I, 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 I will tell an example, and I think that will illustrate it pretty well. Like last year, um, I was sick a lot. Mm. Uh, I think that it's it was like my immunity system was not really ready after we were locked down for so long to suddenly be exposed. And I like whenever I got out of the house, I caught some virus, mm. and then I was like in bed for a week, you know, and um, and I. And I could have, I could have just cleared my schedule, you know, like uh, reschedule things for the next three days and just lay in bed and and get better. And I didn't have to feel so miserable that I'm letting, you know, team of people down uh, or, or, you know, like, um, and it's not like, okay, if you're sick once, but I was sick every single month, at least once. Mm. So, so. Just the fact that you can take care of yourself, that you can take care of your needs. And uh, I mean, um, given that you know how to do it and you can listen to your body, because I, I, I'm sure that there would be still people who would like push through and like work through it or whatever. But uh, um, but the it option, gave you a flexibility the option and often, is yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so that's that's and then you get to meet a lot of different people because I'm like you are working with people that are focusing on very diverse things you know and and mm-hmm. working I guess that's exciting as well you know Definitely yeah I think that I think that I was m- much more in touch with people when I when I was a headhunter mm-hmm. because you know I was um contact contacting people almost on a daily basis mm-hmm. uh um but it's a different thing, though, because here you're helping someone building their brand, their tone yep. of voice. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of it's almost like raising a kid, and then or, or or fostering a little duck at home, and then you let them out to the nature. You know? <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah, this the sense of me really having some sort of purpose and making mm. difference is very very different and i also represent myself right like i this is like my my brand like my yeah. business is me and i i can it, it gives me much more freedom to to be more myself and i'm not saying that in my previous job i was pretending to be somebody else but i played the role i was i was an employee i was representing my employer Mm. and uh, that has a very different feel to it like very different Mm. we're kind of about to wrap this up guys don't uh, don't stop put pause or stop yet because (laughs) i wanna like i wanna stereotype it a little bit and, and talk a little bit about so 
been living here in the Czech Republic for 15 years and um, most people when they would come, most people that I know here, locals, that would come to their parents or grandparents and say, yeah, I'm going to quit my job in this well-established brand which has a secure paycheck and everything is fine. I'm going to quit it and I'm going to do some stuff that you don't even understand. Mm-hmm. They would say, oh, that's risky. You know, People here are relatively risk-averse. You know, you know what I mean? People want safety and, and for good reasons. I mean... People have been poor here for a long time. There has been, you know, hard times. So it was not a risk-seeking nation because if you took risk and failed, you were just kind of on your own. Mm-hmm. You can take risk in Scandinavia because, you know, we take care of everyone, you know, like it's almost pays off being unemployed more than working, you know. So um, was this, why, why are you, you know, because this is risk. Mm-hmm. Yes. What is it in your personality or your background that makes you willing to take that? Is there something that you think about, like when you think back? This is why, and and you 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 have a foreign husband. Mm-hmm. That's a risk. <laughs> I'm more adventurous. Let's say you know. Yeah. Why why are you uh. doing this? Mm-hmm. Okay. What went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I think that um, me making this leap is is more a symptom of of my generation rather uh, than something that would be like completely bold or determined by my upbringing. Uh, definitely, definitely, there has had to be something in my background that that shaped me to to go this way. I think that I was very entrepreneurial since I was a kid and. And um, I, I always had a lot of like hobbies. They were like all, almost full-time hobbies on uh, on a side, whether it was you know like sport or or journalism or uh, <laughs> or karaoke. Mm. Um, and one of them, it, it it was just a matter of time when one of them will turn into into something that I turn into business, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and but it, were you encouraged, <laughs> like by your parents, for example? Huh. Like, did they encourage you to to explore, or or were you just always curious yourself? Or yeah, yeah, I I think that I was always curious myself. Mm. Um, encouraged by my parents, no. Uh, so you're a rebel. Excuse me. You're a rebel. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it that way because it it uh, it sounds uh, whatever I did much more riskier than it was in the end. But but believe me, I like uh, as I mentioned, this was not like a decision that I made from one day or another. I saw an opportunity and I, I proved that this opportunity can generate money and I also saved up enough money to sustain me for a year and I knew that if this doesn't work out you can I'll, always go back I will get a job yeah yeah I know but but on the other hand like um, go back to stereotyping I mean a lot of women your age that I would talk to mm. they come with a template from how their life should be mm-hmm. like they should 
find the husband, have a job, get or get an education, find the husband, mm-hmm. have a job, have kids, go back to the job after six years of maternity or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And going against that is mm-hmm. not easy. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I met girls here that had been divorced for two years and hadn't told their grandmother. So they, they pretended to be married towards their grandmothers because they didn't want to break their hearts, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm just, yeah, like, you're kind of swimming a little bit against the stream here in some way. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious why. Mm-hmm. It's, it's This is really interesting thing that you mentioned that I never even really considered but I, I, you're right that I think that having support from your network is extremely important you know to, to, f- to feel that support if you're going into something risky and and uh, uh, yeah, who supported uh, you on this? And out of your comfort uh, com- comfort zone and that's why I think that maybe this didn't happen for me earlier because I always felt that there are areas in my life that I need to take care of first before I made a sleep and I think that one of the um, biggest help you know I, I, I it's it's it felt also smooth for me to to go into this business and it felt right from the very beginning and I you know I um I felt like I made it mm. you know like how we always chase after something new I felt like after I quit my job and started uh, being copyright I was like done Mm. I'm done, you know. Anything in my life now will be extra, and even if it doesn't succeed, you know, I'm I'm glad that I, I, I'm here, um, and uh, and it it felt really light, right and comfortable. And I think that uh, one of the biggest big part is the support by by my network and the the, the fact that I um, took care of my things before I went I- I into this and yeah and uh, the support of my husband because I mean mm. it's a, it's a big decision for the couple a- as well you mm. know to, to change your career and go into something risky and um, well I was first prepar- prepared personally I had a financial cushion mm. I had mm. a plan I, I I had it kind of you know like I um I had a proof that this might, uh, you know, that, that there is a potential, that there is the target audience. Uh, so, and and he was extremely supportive. He was like, you know, um, uh, he was so happy f- for me, and mm. and uh, and said that you know if something would go, something wouldn't go according to the plan or whatever, that he would support me. Yeah. Um, even financially, mm. but I I hope that I will never get to that point. I'm uh, uh, I like to make my own, own money, money. Oh, yeah. and with my parents, uh, with my parents, well, they were not excited, but um, I think that they trust me that mm. I know what I do. So mm. you know, like there was nothing that they could really um, do to change my mind. So. Why to? I I think that they learned over time why to fight me mm-hmm. when I I'm already determined it would only you know uh, 
It would only... Yeah, push you. You would do opposite too. Yeah, yeah not necessarily opposite, but it would drive me away f- yeah, from them. Uh, yeah, and I wouldn't want mm. to share with them mm. about this part of my life. It's just big. big. And I, 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 um, and again, I, I, I think that, you know, um, I proved them that I had it figured out, you know, or figured out, you know, that this was not a crazy idea. Mm. Yeah, but do you had some crazy? I mean, you were fencing, for example, like mm-hmm. uh, that. That's for me, like, and then you have a pet. You have a turtle as a pet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is some. I don't know, some dancing demon inside you, or some something that makes you want to do something different. Because I mean, fencing is not like a typical sport, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's funny how how many things I guess in my <laughs> life are just like kind of uh, happened started with a with, with a coincidence or with just like opportunity presented itself and I I I went for it with well the turtle was idea of my parents mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> when I was a kid like a calming pet yeah I always wanted a dog you know but but they wanted to appease me like to to meet me halfway but but they they didn't want to take care they of never them. heard of cats <laughs> so they came with a turtle <laughs> Yeah, I think that even a cat is uh, much more high mainten- maintenance uh, animal than a turtle. So yeah, so I I have a I have a turtle that kind of um, keeps me company in my freelance journey. She just um, walks around the apartment and uh, makes me take breaks. You know, it's it's sometimes when you get in the flow, it's hard to like let it go and, and take a break, but it's very healthy for you. And she walks around and sometimes, you know, like she pees or poops somewhere and I need to get up and clean it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, but, but okay, there's a lot of stuff here to to understand a little bit more. So like turtles can get like really old, right? I mean, they... they uh, is that old t- uh, or like is your turtle old or I mean like how how? Uh, she is, I think, eleven, eleven or twelve years old. And how old do you think she will become? Mm, I hope she has another like forty, fifty years. Shit. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And and but do you? Oh, this is the weirdest thing I've ever talked about here. But like, <laughs> so, but but are you like emotionally connected somehow to her? Do you know? And I mean, sure. not just from your side, but do you feel that she, like, if I would come to your place now, would she like me? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I- is it? Uh, uh, she knows that I'm the person who gives her food. Okay. And. That's about it. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I mean, she can recognize who me and my husband are. She can, I, f- I think, uh, turtles, by the way, they don't hear, but they mm-hmm. can like feel, they don't have ears. They can feel like vibrations and they can see and smell. And I think that she can, re- she definitely can recognize. Mm-hmm. She she has certain cues. So whenever I like, she she has this like, palace or mm-hmm. whatever like this yeah. place where she has like a light and st- like some stones and food and whenever i walk by she like turns to look in her bowl if i gave put her uh-huh. some so, so she knows she that knows, when i pass yeah. by it means like i'm maybe bringing food or yeah so she ta- she takes some cues but it's not an animal that you like 
cuddle with mm. or or pet. They don't like they they don't actually like when you touch them much uh-huh. or or pick them up or anything. So uh, you know, we let her be, do her thing, mm-hmm. and uh, I love her from the distance. But how? What do you do when you need to travel? Like, do you do you just somebody takes care of her or yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and like but like does she swim at home or like does she like swimming? I mean is there some uh she's a tortoise. So there are uh-huh. you know the the, the water turtles yeah. and the land the turtles and, and she's the land one. Okay. So if you would put her in water she would sink and die. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So so she's not a swimmer. No. No, no, no. But I give her bath. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't she she's she's not ex- she doesn't love it that much, especially when I dry her. I, but yeah. I need to make sure that I don't put too much water in the mm-hmm. in the in the thing so that uh, in the bath so that she doesn't drown. And uh, what does she eat? Um she eats um greens okay. like she loves lettuce and rocket and all sorts of salads and leafy greens okay it's really interesting so so for the next 40 50 years you're gonna have a pet yeah <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, but extremely low maintenance you know like not needy at all she just like not like my dog <laughs> Oh, but your dog is so cute. Yeah, she's cute, but she's needy and high maintenance and, <laughs> and jealous and protective and possessive and everything. And yeah, but uh, okay. Um, I just kind of yeah. I think we can end it on the on the turtle. Her name is Sophie or Sofinka, right? Sofinka, yes. That that's kind of like Sophie, right? Uh, yes. Yes, Sophie, yes, yes. Sophie the turtle. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering how uh, how do you know this information, but I guess I told oh. you, right? Yeah, you to- you told me about <laughs> the turtle before. Okay. Okay, guys, uh, thanks for listening, Tenny. Thank you very much for coming. I uh, thank you. Have a great day, and I'll see you around. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.